This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Monday, February 3rd. You're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott, and I'm joined by Connor Tapp. And Connor, can you believe it? But we've got National Signing Day in two days. Yeah, Trey, for reasons we'll get into in a minute here uh, in your conversation with Greg Biggins, I mean... Uh, there are some there are some arguments to be made for changing the amount of distance between the December signing period and the February signing period. But from the perspective of people involved in content creation around uh, college football recruiting, it kind of makes this m- two months uh, between from December to the first week in February feel like a whirlwind. Yeah, it goes pretty fast. It's the third year of the early signing period, the third cycle of it, and. I mean, yeah, signing day carries less and less weight each year, I I suppose. And I am a company man. We're company men. So we're not going to sit here and tell you guys that that that's absolutely, you know, like nothing left to talk about. Because the truth is there's still meat on the bone uh, for a lot of college football programs. I think Clemson, of, of all the top 10 classes, is the only school that's not looking to take anybody else. Yeah, Trey, 88.6% of committed FBS prospects signed in December this year. That's up from 85.2% in year two of the system and 72.8% in year one. Overall, 65% of prospects nationally inked early in the 2018 cycle, and that number jumped to 77 in 2019. It was a hair slightly off in 2020 at 76.8, but that does not include many guys like Keely Ringo, Darnell Washington, etc., who had signed during the early period but kept it a secret until an all-star bowl unveiling. Yeah, the stats and, and the narrative all, all prove there's no question December is overtaken February. So I guess then the question is, is December the right time for it? And Connor, you alluded to Greg Biggins, our colleague who's covered recruiting for forever, believes that the first signing period should come at the end of summer, like in July. So I spoke to Greg about that the other day. I, I sent you the interview. We're going to play that for everybody, and then we're going to talk about it. All right, Greg, I want to hear more about this summertime signing period that you have in mind, because I think I have a few objections. I mean, for me, I, it always made more sense just, you know, I think it helps the school. I think it helps the kid, uh, you know, having it one in December and then another one six weeks later just does nothing for me. I think the whole purpose of it, having it early was, for number one, um, you know, you allow the the schools, the coaches to not have to, you know, stress about recruiting during the season as much. Get half that class kind of locked in and, and you're good. I also think it helps the, the player. Um, you get your decision out of the way. I, I know I'm I'm pro player, so I would allow them to maybe just sign a scholarship agreement and not a letter of intent. So in the event of a coaching change, which is probably going to be inevitable, um, you give them an out. But just the, the six weeks, the way it works right now, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like it stresses out ADs. It forces them to make you know head coaching changes before they're ready for it because they know they have to have that December signing period. 
doing it late summer and then doing it in February for me, it's more like basketball. And I've always felt like, you know, I think that works. Yeah, I guess my objection is selfishly, I just don't want to have to deal with covering a signing period in the summertime. So do you think it sounds like you are, if you're a pro player, maybe you were a proponent of the early signing period and then you kind of saw how well it worked in December or like how large of a chunk of the class it took out. And are you just kind of like, let's just move it even earlier? Exactly. You know, I, my, I was originally the guy who said, you know what? No one's going to sign in December. I think kids going to want to wait till February. You know, why sign? Why remove some of those late options that you always see? You know, kids, if they wait till January, you see a bunch of new schools come in. And also there's a ton of coaching changes between December and February. So why sign? Well, to my you know, astonishment that first year, it was like, what, 67%, and then it was 70-something, and you probably have the numbers for this this past December, was like closer to 80? Yeah, it, it went from like 65 to 74 to 80. I, I was anticipating that first year being like, honestly, this, I, I sound horrible, I, I thought it was going to be like 30. Like, I literally I thought, thought, I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. Why, like, we why were like programming our We were like programming our content plan. And I think we were all kind of surprised when noon rolled around and we're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like everyone's off the board. I saw no advantage to a kid signing in December. None. You know, like I, unless you're that really elite, elite kid, I just felt like, you know what? You're getting forced to sign by some of the smaller schools because they want to lock you in. And then also, again, we're, we see so many coaching changes between December and February. So, so why do it? But shoot, if everyone's going to go ahead and do it early, let, let's let's move it way back. Let's do it end of the summer before your senior year. Now you don't have to worry about the whole stress of recruiting. So I, I think it helps them. Um, like I said, sign a scholarship agreement. I, I'm sure the coaches would probably want a letter of intent, but you know that's the kind of the trade off right there. I still think it's a win for the coaches because now you don't have to babysit a kid who commits to you. You know, maybe as a junior, you still have to recruit that kid like crazy because if you don't, this day and age, you know they don't feel the love. I'm doing air quotes right now. They don't feel that love, and they're gonna you know want to flip their commitment just because they're not feeling enough love from the school they've already committed to. So you get half your class signed. You don't have to worry about calling them, babysitting them. You can kind of move on. You can kind of focus on coaching. You can focus on those guys that are are not committed. And then, you know, do it in February. Um, it, just, it just seems like it helps the school, the AD. Um, they don't have to stress about a coaching change, making a quick hire like we've seen. And like I said, I think it helps the player as well. They, they can get it out of the way and, and focus on their senior season without a bunch of phone calls. I'm trying to handicap a percentage of the class that I think would be signed by like late July. And it's, you know, I guess we learned our lesson three years ago when we did think it was going to be 30 to 40 percent. And I'm wondering if that would be the case again. It's all really interesting. Last question before I let you go. Do you think, so let's say we have a July 31st signing period. How far are we moving up the timeline then of, of a recruitment, of a commitment? Like, are we moving that the literal, like whatever, four-month, five-month gap? Are we moving that even more? Like, are we going to start seeing quarterbacks commit as sophomores in high school and, and stick with that? Yeah, I think we're already seeing it, Trey. I think Bryce Young was like, you know, the first guy to kind of not not the first, but in this kind of new wave. He committed before his junior year. I think that'll definitely become the norm. And that that's probably the one thing I'm I'm a little bit against is, 
you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, we've seen guys that commit early and then just don't develop and other guys pass them up. But yet that school already took that kid. Not going to name names, obviously, but every year we're kind of talking and we'll say, hey, I bet so-and-so, meaning the school, probably wishes they could take that offer back. So that's probably the one thing that's going to force colleges to maybe offer kids a little bit earlier than they want to. But honestly, uh, if they know a kid can commit to that offer, then maybe some of these kind of ridiculous non-committable offers that we're seeing thrown out, maybe that's going to take some of those off the table. Because if they know a kid can can commit and sign early, uh, maybe they'll be you know a little bit um, you know a little more discreet with just throwing out a bunch of offers. Because now I feel like nowadays it's it's uh, offer now, evaluate later. So I think if kids could actually sign, I think it would make those offers mean more. Because uh, r- right now they don't really mean a whole lot. And and I constantly are, are telling you know fans or or parents who say you know the way you should evaluate or do rankings is based on offers. I'm going no, half these offers aren't even committal. They don't count. So we don't base recruiting rankings on how many offers a kid has. So uh, I think it would speed it up. You know, one thing, Trey, that I've seen in, um, in basketball, you know, right, they allow kids to take five official trips as a junior and then five more as a senior if they haven't signed yet. So that might be something. Uh, I know it's, you know, there's a financial burden on that. But of course, we know these guys make a lot of money. You know, allow these kids to take official trips during their junior year. And if they don't commit, give them a couple more as a senior. So again, I think that also helps you make a more well-informed decision if you can take your trips early and not to, you know, pay for your own unofficial trips all over the country that you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the times are changing. It's an interesting proposal from Greg Biggins. Let's see if anybody at the NCAA offices in Indianapolis will listen. Thanks, Greg. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Trey, I'm very intrigued by this idea of moving the signing period earlier into the summer because, I mean, we've got the December period now and the February period now. No obvious reason why it needs to be that way. I, I, I do not... I do not recall the rationale for plopping that thing in in the middle of December as we have done. But uh, I mean, it, 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 as we're kind of in the middle of that system, it feels kind of arbitrary and burdensome. So I mean, you're, you've got a lot of, you got a lot of schools that are trying to get ready for a bowl game. And, and it ultimately, when you're talking about a, a, a kid's recruitment, that's three, four years, sometimes even, the summer between their uh, last year of middle school and their first year of high school, like ultimately moving it up two and a half months is not that big of a move. So why not move it earlier? Yeah. I don't remember a December rationale either. And when you look back on it now, it, it doesn't make any sense. No. Like we, like we have the biggest day of the, of our calendar is like December 19th every year. It's just crazy. And for schools, that's got to be a massive pain and a massive chore. So Greg's idea is essentially taking the success of the early signing period. And it has been a success uh, for all the reasons why Greg articulated it's you know, made life easier for players and for coaches and moving it up just a few extra months and a few, like obviously just straight up before the start of the college football season. Right. I, you know, I alluded to selfishly. I was like, I don't know if I really want to have to worry about a signing day in July. My thing with my thing with this is 
and we talked about this in the interview too, maybe it's foolish to think that nobody's going to sign during this July period because we kind of thought that during the December period. Right. But what happened in the last three years with the early signing period is the first cycle around, several classes had a handful of players who just didn't want to sign. And they're like, look, I'm still going to be committed. I would like to go take some official visits. I'm still going to sign. It was rare for a school to not have any players do that. And in talking to these players at like the All-American Bowl in San Antonio, they're like, look, I don't like that they're making a sign. Like, I don't like that I can't just like drag this out till February. I'm not going to go anywhere, but I'd like to take a a visit. I don't know if I'm 100% ready, but if I don't sign, I get judged. I get a scarlet scarlet a a A on me uh and essentially like i might might be in danger of losing my spot so i think if they did move it to july like one part of my brain wants to be like like who like why would you lock up your recruitment by july but the other part of me is like do this for one cycle do it for another do it for another eventually it's going to be the norm for all these players to sign to you get into like some issues though like what if Connor? Not what if like your coach gets fired? Like that's an easy, obvious LOI let out. But what if the team you sign with goes like six and six, and you start to be really worried about the traje- trajectory? But your coach stays aboard. Yeah, like, there are, you don't get out. For, you don't get out for that. Yeah, there are lots of reasons to kind of question what the unintended consequences of allowing people to sign so early might be. We're kind of even seeing some of those unintended consequences. Now, even just moving it up to mid-December because because you do want to have, you know, pen to paper on in in the middle of December for your biggest players like you, you do not have that period between the end of your season and and the first week in February to kind of reassess. Maybe you need to uh, as ugly as it is sometimes, uh, you know, (laughs) pull some offers, figure out some some different ways you need different like reassess the needs of your class and and uh result is that i mean it's very hard to factor in someone's senior season into your evaluation and decision making about whether they want you want them to be part of your program when they have to sign in the middle of december and uh so the senior season is really de-emphasized and listening to uh you know uh the, the rankings council, like the senior season is often really an important data point in determining what these guys' ceilings are going to be. Yeah. I think in listening to that and kind of in thinking like, this sounds like, I think July would be a, like an elite signing day. Sure. The signing day of the elites of the guys who are just absolute slam dunk top hundred players. And especially the quarterbacks, we were I mean, we we see quarterbacks now commit earlier and earlier and earlier. And if you're a quarterback and you don't have a home by God, like almost now, like we're gonna start kind of wondering what's going on with you, especially mm-hmm. by June. That's why it was so rare a few years ago when Justin Fields was on the market in July. It was like, what this is? We've never seen anything like that. So I I just think like if you moved it that early, given all these possible variables in play, like. Colleges aren't going to send letters of intent out to the commits that they think they might drop, just like they don't do it in December, but they're especially not going to do it in July. 
I think it almost might reemphasize the February signing period all over again. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, it might be a little bit more fun, but I don't know. Like, sure. and final if, thoughts? Do you, is this a yes or a no for you? I think, I think I, I'm a tentative yes. I'm, I'm a, I'm a tentative yes just because the December period I think is so bad. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not. So do you? Do you? Okay. Are you a? Do you like having two signing? I like having. I, I think it's worth continuing the experiment of having two. I, I think it does not make sense to have one uh, two and a half months apart. Like it, yeah. That that's very weird, and it, it you particularly where you've got it located just really does not make sense because you're preparing for bowls. You've got coaching staff turnover. And then, in, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of times they uh, teams wait to announce coaching changes until after that early signing period ends. And we're going to see another round of that with the February signing period. And that creates, that opens a whole other can of worms. And so, I mean, it do, you don't really fix that for reasons we got into by uh, uh, by having them sign in June or whatever. But I, I think December is bad and bad enough uh, that um, mo- moving, trying to f- find another place for it makes sense. And doing it during the middle of the season, I think, is obviously out as a consideration. Yeah, um, like in October, <laughs> right? Day. That would be insane. So I, I've, so I think that and leaves you with like June, maybe late June at the absolute latest is something that would that would make some sense. But like as as I mean, the fact that something that really jumped out to me from your conversation with Greg is that, you know, how how badly he misjudged the uh, weight that the early the December signing period would carry. And if you're talking about somebody like Greg Biggins, who spends every day of his life neck deep in recruiting coverage and thinking about players and what what their next move is going to be. And the fact that he could have gotten that so wrong tells me that. This this is just such a complicated process with so many unintended consequences that you've just got to be willing to tweak things, change them, see what the response is, let it run for a year or two, collect some collect some data, and then find more ways to fine tune. Yeah, I agree. So as we, I, I think yeah, like I agree that we I, that two is the right answer. And if I if I had to choose, I guess Connor, I'm going to go July over December. Just because those six weeks, like not that much changes in six weeks. There's right. nothing, nothing really from evaluation, from an interest standpoint, not too much can, can change. Going into Wednesday's signing day, we have of the top 100 players in the 24-7 sports composite, four are uncommitted and five are either committed or unsigned. And if you look at like our scheduled commits page, our scheduled announcements page at 24-7 sports, it's like three guys on Wednesday morning. I think... And we've got like this week on the college football daily, like you're going to have previews with like, we're going to have previews with Steve Wildfong and we'll have analysis and we're going to have, you know, winners and losers. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming. I think it's interesting that real quick, like we talk about the, the signing period and early or later, like July or December. And it's the guy who's moving the needle the most in Zachary Evans, the five-star running back is actually just a guy who still signed in December at the early signing period and then just got out of his letter of intent and the second biggest headline getter, uh, drama guy, is Jordan Birch, who committed to South Carolina in December and did not sign. So 
I think that's kind of fun in that things keep changing, but at the end of the day, you still have some absolutely insane recruitments. Yeah, and uh, one thing about the difference between the the time of one signing period and now is that you know in a previously in addition to South Carolina and LSU. Uh, fighting it out for Jordan Birch, they would have also been trying to keep their other 24 commitments in the boat. So um, it, it's th- that's that's a big change uh, that most of those guys are now signed and and on board, and in many cases even on campus, getting ready to to, to go through uh, spring practice. So that I think is probably a positive that we didn't mention that I just wanted to get in there. Absolutely. makes life a lot easier on those coaches. So that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by dropping us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you think you know where Zachary Evans is going to go, please leave us that uh, suggestion in a review, right? Uh, For Connor Tapp, for Greg Biggins, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.